Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Uh, no pressure, but please don't fall asleep. I think I, I, think I definitely will notice. But um, no, th- thank you for coming out. We do trust that um, God will bless our time um, as we study his word together. So we come to the final two of the 15 Psalms or Songs of Ascent. Um, we're looking at Psalms 133 and 134, a songbook for the journey. Um, there should be a, a Jonathan, if you could maybe put the slides up in the screen, that would be helpful. But let me just read the Psalms together. Psalm 133, a song of, of ascents of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place. And bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. Let's just pray. Father as we come to your word. And as we come to these final two songs of ascent. We just pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for it. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit would minister your word to each of our hearts and lives. We pray this for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. So these uh, 15 songs from Psalms 120 to 134 comprised um, a hymn book, a song book, or a playlist, depending on how old you are, compiled by God's people, Israel, uh, for the journey that they would make each year up to Jerusalem uh, to keep the annual feasts. And these occasions were national holidays. Holy days, that's where the word holidays originally comes from. And the feasts would last the best part of a week. Now I can remember family holidays from childhood, often spent on the south coast of England with long car journeys, long car journeys. And sometimes we would put together a compilation tape of our favorite songs for the journey. Uh, It was the 80s. So maybe a bit of Bruce Springsteen, The Police, and those were just my dad's choices, um, or a blast of the Corries, full volume for when we crossed the border into England. But each song had been carefully and individually selected. So too these 15 psalms. Each psalm specially selected and placed in order into this songbook for the journey up to Jerusalem. And you can just imagine the, the crowds, the families, as they traveled from all over the country, reflecting on these wonderful Psalms. You can just sense that feeling of togetherness, that fellowship that they enjoyed with each other on the journey. Some perhaps reunited with family or friends that they hadn't seen since last year. 
these would have been precious times, happy times, times of encouragement. The people of God traveling towards Mount Zion, to the, to the temple, to the sanctuary, to the very dwelling place of God, to come together in the presence of God. Isn't that just a wonderful picture of church? The people of God meeting together in the presence of God. Or maybe you prefer to think a little bit bigger when you apply these Psalms of Ascent. Um, that as God's people, we too are pilgrims traveling on life's brief journey, traveling to our spiritual home. This is not our home. Uh, as David uh, writes in Psalm 23, or in the words of the hymn of Psalm 23, and in God's house forevermore, my dwelling place shall be. That's where our journey ends. So we come to Psalms 133 and 134, songs 14 and 15, the final two songs. And remember where it all began. That first song, Psalm 120, the journey began in distress. You remember that? In my distress, I called to the Lord. These pilgrims were experiencing difficulty. Lying lips, deceitful tongues, suffering slander perhaps, surrounded by hostility. My dwelling is amongst those who hate peace. Jerusalem felt so far away. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. It's that sense of distance from the presence of God. And then when we come to these final two songs, there's no more distance. They've been in the sanctuary. They've been in the very presence of God. And from the distress, there is now blessing. And the hostility has been replaced with that enriching unity among God's people. And so for us, as God's people today, this world at times is a cold and hostile place. We live in a society that is dominated by a growing secular worldview. And we can find ourselves on the receiving end of lying lips and deceitful tongues, harsh words, hateful words that hurt. Or facing open hostility when you stand for the truth of God's word. Just like these pilgrims at the beginning of their journey. And that's why it's essential for us, like them, to enjoy the strength and encouragement and joy that comes from the fellowship that we have with each other and with God as we travel home together. It's one of the reasons why God expects each of his children to be part of a local church. To have that irreplaceable bond of Christian fellowship. Because we need it on the journey. And to meet with the people of God in the presence of God 
That's the very heartbeat of church right there. That when um, we come to church, it is that refreshing spiritual oasis in the barren desert of the world that we live in. And when we leave, we're conscious that we have met with God. And you've been blessed, and you've been refreshed, and you've been encouraged for the journey ahead. Is that how you see church? Is that, is that your experience of church? Now that's what Psalms 133 and 134 bring before us. These pilgrims, they have now been in Jerusalem for the best part of a week. They've been enjoying wonderful times of fellowship with each other. And more importantly, times of fellowship with God himself. But now the feast is coming to an end. And it's time to leave Jerusalem. To go back to the towns and villages from whence they came. And as they prepare to leave, these two final psalms reflect on three important themes that mark the fellowship of God's people and that should mark the the fellowship of our church. In Psalm 133, it is the theme of unity. And then in Psalm 134, it is the theme of worship, the worship of God that comes from a people who are united together. And then thirdly, it is the blessing that God pours out when his people are united before him and their hearts are full of worship to him. Unity, worship, and blessing. And the order, I think, is significant. Uh, Jonathan, perhaps you could put up, yeah, that slide there, great. Let's look at Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's a psalm of David. David knew firsthand the difficulties caused by disunity. Both from a national perspective. Remember uh, a divided nation at the time of Saul's death. But also from a family perspective. Even within his own house, a divided house, you remember the the rebellion of his own son, Absalom. Now the first thing to notice about this unity is that this is not a superficial unity that sits on the surface. This is a deep-rooted unity. There is depth to this unity. David writes, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. You know, it's it's one thing to enjoy unity with someone when you don't live with them. But when you dwell together, when you live with someone, well that's a different story because then you really know that person, both the good and the bad. You get to know all their habits. Even the the ones that really irritate you, whether that's poor hygiene, dishes piled up in the sink, or cutting their toenails in the bath, or, or whatever it is. And that's not experience from home, that's just two examples, bad examples. But to dwell in unity at that level, that's a deep-rooted unity. 
Now look at how this unity is described. David uses two beautiful pictures. In verse 2, it's the picture of precious oil. And in verse 3, it's the picture of the Jew of Hermon. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. On the beard of Aaron. Running down on the collar of his robes. This precious oil was used to anoint Aaron the high priest and his sons the priests. We read about it in Exodus 32. We read there that the oil was not to be imitated. It was not to be replicated. Um, We read there too that it was not to be poured on the body of an ordinary person. What does this teach us? It teaches us this, that the oil was unique. And it teaches us that it was reserved for the priests. You see, this unity that we enjoy in Christ, it's unique. It's rare. It's, it can't be replicated. There is nothing like it in the world. And it can only be enjoyed by those who are Christ's by faith. And I tell you why it's unique. It's unique because it comes from God. That's its source. It's not something that we can create. It's not something that we can manufacture. We are united in Christ through the Spirit of Christ. But listen, when you come to Ephesians chapter 4, God commands us to maintain this unity. Let me just read Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 3. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord... Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This unity comes from God. We are to maintain it. Three times over, David describes this unity like precious oil running down on the beard, running down on the collar of his robes, like the Jew of Hermon, which falls. It's the same word, running down. This unity comes from God. It runs down. It falls down from God. And the blessings of this unity, well, they just overflow like the precious oil first on Aaron's head, overflowing down onto his beard and then onto his collar it just overflows oil in in scripture is a symbol of the holy spirit peter in acts chapter 10 reminds us that god anointed jesus with the holy spirit and with power in Exodus 32, uh, that precious oil consecrated Aaron and his sons. Um, it, 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 it marked them as being set apart to serve God. Uh, and this unity can only be maintained when the Holy Spirit overflows through the lives of God's people. Setting us apart to serve God and to serve each other. And the aroma from this precious oil, it must have been beautiful. Everyone would have benefited from that sweet perfume. It's just like um, our Samuel's aftershave. When he he comes into the car, even going to school, everybody in the car benefits 
or depending on what he's wearing. But everyone would have benefited from that sweet perfume. But how precious the aroma to God. You know, when you you read John 17, that great prayer of the Lord Jesus, the night before his crucifixion, it's the theme of unity that comes through. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. How precious to God, the unity of his people. But then the second picture in verse 3. It falls, it is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. From the overflowing sweet smelling perfume of of the precious oil to the refreshing dew of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon lies uh, some 120 miles north of Jerusalem. It's the highest peak in that region. And the heavy dews from the snow-capped peak of Hermon uh, fall on the surrounding land, providing refreshment, providing invigoration. It's the dew from Hermon that that keeps the soil fertile for um, growing vegetation. And David here pictures the cold currents of air transporting the fresh mountain dew of Hermon and and dropping on the hills of Mount Zion. It's like being in the in the city and just breathing in that Cairngorm air. How refreshing. How invigorating. This is the blessing of unity. This is a picture of the power and potency of unity, refreshing, invigorating, and producing conditions for spiritual growth among God's people. So far removed from the distress and the distance in Psalm 120 at the beginning of the songbook. Let's move on to uh, Psalm 134. Jonathan, if you could put the the last slide up, please. So following on from the theme of unity, uh, we come to the themes of worship and blessing. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. It's time now for these pilgrims to go back, to leave Zion, to leave the temple, to return to their daily lives. This is after church, after the church service is over, when you go home and into the week ahead. But they're going home changed. Why? Because they've been in the presence of God. Is that our experience of church? The scene here in Psalm 134, it's a night scene. The feast is over. The daily public worship service has finished. 
evening draws on and there is a changing of the guard, so to speak, at the temple. The night shift begins. I know some of you work night shift. That's a tough shift. And the priests who guard the temple precincts by night, who set up and prepare for the next day, they are beginning their duties. And we hear two voices in the psalm. In verses 1 to 2, there is the voice of the departing pilgrims as they leave. And they have a word of encouragement for the priests and the Levites as they begin their duties. And it is really a call to worship. Come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And then the second voice in verse 3, it is the response of the priests to the pilgrims. And it's a closing benediction. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Come, bless the Lord. The NIV translates it simply as praise the Lord. Uh, the, The Greek word used in the New Testament, it's, it's the equivalent um, in English of where we get our word eulogy. You know, to speak well of someone. It's a call to worship God, to speak well of God, to give glory to God, to focus on who God is and what He has done. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. Look at verse 2. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. This is where all of us from a brethren or a Presbyterian background have nosebleeds. Um, it's used in 1 Timothy 2, lifting up holy hands in prayer. But just think as we've studied these 15. Songs, Psalms of Ascent. Just think of what these songs alone have taught us about the greatness of our God. Look back on the journey. There is every reason to praise Him. Psalm 120 He is a God who answers our prayers. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. He is not an uncaring or distant God. Psalm 121, he is a God who keeps his people. He will keep your going out and your coming from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 124, he is a God who is our defender. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. We would have been swept away. Psalm 125, he is our shield and our protector. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. What a beautiful picture that is of God protecting his people. Psalm 130, he is a God who is rich in mercy towards us, but with you there is forgiveness. Come, bless the Lord. 
This is directed towards the priests. The pilgrims are encouraging the priests. Come bless the Lord. They're beginning the night shift. What are these pilgrims encouraging them to do? Well I think it's simply this. Don't let the worship of God stop. Keep it going. During the night season as well as the day. You see, our worship of God never ceases. We too are priests. A royal priesthood. Jesus has made us a kingdom, priests to his God. And it's so easy for us to think of worship as a Sunday only thing. Or to be led by others. And for there to be very little personal sacrifice or input. Or for worship to become a routine. And that's not worship. Our lives should be lives of worship. Look back on your own journey tonight. Just like these pilgrims. Look back just over... This year, as this year alone comes to an end, we have every reason to worship God. Sing these psalms of ascent in your heart. How great is our God. Finally, in verse 3, there is the reply of the priests to the pilgrims. As they leave Jerusalem to go back to their daily lives. To go back perhaps to the distress. To the hostility of normal everyday life from whence they came. And it is a closing benediction from the priests to the people. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. They had come to bless God. But they leave blessed by God. By the creator, God himself, who made heaven and earth. How good when that's our experience of church. When we leave blessed Of God, the better for having been in His presence. These pilgrims were changed. And where there is unity, we read at the end of Psalm 133 there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. What a privilege! To be part of the fellowship of God's people. To have this bond in Christ with each other. That's why we're encouraged in the book of Hebrews. In in chapter 10. Not to um, neglect meeting together. Let me just read from verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. We're traveling home. We're on the journey home. And to remember that God has commanded us to maintain the unity that he has created. And that as the people of God, we should come into the presence of God to worship him and to receive the blessing of God. May these Psalms be an encouragement, a real encouragement to each of us as we journey home to our heavenly Jerusalem. Let me pray. Father, what a joy it's been to study these songs of ascent through these uh, last weeks and months. To remind ourselves of your greatness, your faithfulness, of your protection, your provision for your people. You're a God who is worthy of all worship and all homage. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for that unity that we have in him. We thank you for that inseparable bond of love. Thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for each other. We thank you for the fellowship of this church. And may that fellowship with each other and with you, may it grow and develop more and more. Lord, we just pray that you would bless us as we meet together, as we come into your presence Pray that we may be conscious that we are meeting with you, the creator God. And Lord, we just pray that we might be changed each time we come and listen to you. Pray, Lord, that you would be with us this week in your will. Protect us. May you make us ready to share the Christmas message with others. And may we be mindful of others who are struggling at this time. And give us kind and generous hearts. Lord, we just pray this all for your glory and in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.